welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Amen. The, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, a part of Jesus' teaching that we call the Sermon on the Mount, he began teaching his disciples about prayer. Now, you've got to understand something. When he was teaching them about prayer, he was wanting them to understand that because they were sons and daughters of the living God, because they were disciples of Jesus Christ, their prayers were to be different from the prayers that most people pray. Because most people pray out of religiosity. Okay, They're, they're wanting to be religious. They, they, they're not necessarily convinced that they're going to be curd, but they're praying because, well, we should pray. And so you, 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 get, you get prayers at night like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord must, you know. Or, or prayers at dinner time, you know. Uh, Lord, thank you for all that you've given to us. Amen. And, and it's, it's, it's not bad, but it's not prayers of faith. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It's just being religious. And there are other people that pray because they want to be seen. And so they pray great long prayers to be seen and heard. And they have really religious voices. Oh, our God. You know, and, and it's really religious. But it's to be shown, it's to be heard. And Jesus said, I don't want you praying like that. I don't want you praying like those who pray to idols. Because they think they're going to be heard because they keep saying the same thing over and over again. Now there will be times when even people who are praying in faith and understanding that that they may be saying the same prayer that they've been saying, but they're saying it with faith and confidence and understanding that there are times we will have to pray the same thing again and again and again. Not because God hasn't heard the first time, but because we're having to break through barriers that the enemy has set up and we've got to crush those gates of hell so the prayer can get through to heaven not because God's not hearing and so Jesus gave these instructions that we find in Matthew chapter 6 now you you have what we often call the um, uh, the sermon on the mount or, or the Lord's prayer but I want to read previous to that and then we're all going to pray the Lord's prayer together in faith. Now, this isn't the only prayer we should pray. In fact, it's, in, it's designed to be a pattern, a model, not the actual prayer we pray, even though we do that. And there's times I love to pray the Lord's Prayer. But after the first year, I'm going to come back and we're going to take this prayer apart. And I'm going to show you how this is an outline for your praying that will change 
things in your life and in the community around you. But let's go now. We're at Matthew chapter 6. At least I'm getting there. Give me a second here, team. Um, I've been talking and didn't get my... You might want to pray for me right now. I've got to get my Bible working correctly. <clears throat> there... <laughs> There are times I love new technology and there are times I want to throw it out the window and, and just give me the book, will you please? Just give me the book. Okay, here we are. I'm going to begin reading at verse 5 if you're following along. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Okay? But when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who's in secret, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Okay, so there's the people that want to be seen and heard. Here's the next one. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. These are the ones who are praying to idols, praying to false gods. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For your father knows the things that you need before you ask him. Okay, now here we go. Ready? We're all going to do this together. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Did you, did you catch the kingdom authority there? I highlighted in blue for you. Look, look. Your kingdom come. On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. In, in other words, you can pray into situations and circumstances on earth. The kingdom of almighty God. The kingdom authority. So when the enemy... Is trying to steal your son or daughter. Not on my watch. Not as long as I'm breathing. You're not stealing my son or daughter. I can't tell you how many times. I was literally in hand-to-hand combat. With demonic forces. Never forget one night. We had... uh, we were stepping out and planting a new church in Lacey, Washington. And this was in the first week that we were in that church plant. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I knew there was a spirit right here. I could feel him breathing on me. And I woke up and I looked and, and I, I slipped out of bed. And have you, have you ever yelled under your breath? Ever yelled in a whisper? Because I didn't want to wake up the rest of the house, right? Kids were sleeping, Wanda was sleeping, and I'm up warfaring. 
And I, and I don't know how long, it was a long time that I warfared against that spirit. And he kept saying to me, I'm taking your family. I'm taking your family. No, you're not taking my family. He hated what we were about to do. And there was good reason. Because in about 16 months, this was, this was in the first week of June of 1982, and in October, the first Sunday of October, 1983, a revival was going to break out across the city. But our church alone, we would have over 900 people come to salvation in 20 months. The enemy was going to try and stop it, not on my watch. I warfared him till I finally drove him out. Now this will make the hair rise up on the back of your neck. So I'm ordering him and all of his demons with him out of our house. And our door opened and closed on its own. But that spirit was gone. Now if that sounds really weird to you, that's the level of warfare that you can enter into. And you can say, not on my watch. Because, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as you've established it in heaven. Look, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? But I love that, I love that phrase just before it. And deliver us from evil. Literally in the Greek, it's this. Deliver me from the evil one. Have you ever prayed that on your way to work? God, deliver me from the evil one today. I don't want temptation coming near me today. Deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from the strategies and the plans of the evil one who would want to come and destroy me. Deliver me from that. Yes. Uh, We have an Old Testament example of this. In 2 Kings chapter 5. I I love this. Okay, here's what you have. Okay, the the king of Syria. This is going to sound really familiar to you. The king of Syria is wanting to destroy the Jewish people. Boy, nothing's changed in the last two and a half millennia, has it? Okay. So he's wanting to destroy the Jewish people. But he would, he would go into his secret chamber. And, and in, in those days, and, and even up into the Middle Ages, the kings would build these little tiny rooms off of their private and that there would just be for that king and one or two of his close associates to meet and make secret plans. So he would bring in his generals. They would meet in their secret plans. And they would plan a strategy to attack Israel. But there's a living God in heaven who sees in secret. And so God would tell the prophet. And the prophet would tell the king of Israel, don't go over there because 
The king of Syria set up an attack for you. Go this way. And so he and, and this happened several times until the king of Syria is furious and he calls in all of his generals and says, I want to know who's the mole among us? Who's the double agent? I want him out. And one of his, one of his generals goes, uh, uh, King? Yeah. It's not one of us. What's going on? It's that prophet. It's that prophet, Elisha. He's the one that keeps telling. Now, I know this makes sense to you and I, but now somebody who doesn't believe in God, they're not going to get it. That, wait a minute, there is a living God who sees in secret what you're planning In fact, he knows the words you're going to speak before you even say them. And he's telling on you, don't you think it would be time to humble yourself to the living God? No, no, no. Worldly people don't think in those terms, right? They don't even think in those terms. So he he gathers his army and he goes, I'm going to take out the prophet. So he gathers his army and they encircle the house of the prophet and... And the prophet's servant, Gehazi, is really scared. And he goes, no, 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 don't be scared. But look what's going on. He says, no, 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 no. Those with us are greater than those. And, and he can't see it, so he prays, God, open Gehazi's eyes. And his spiritual eyes are open, and he sees the angelic army around the earthly army. <laughs> Hallelujah, it's good. You know what happens? God blinds all of the commanders and the infantrymen and the and the uh, uh, the cavalry of the enemy army, he blinds them all, and the prophet leads them. He goes, "Oh, you're going the wrong way. You need to go this way." He leads them in to the city of the Israeli king and right up to his palace. And then he prays, and their eyes are open. They go, "Oh dear." And the king goes, so let's kill them, all right? And he goes, no, 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 no. That's not how you treat prisoners. Feed them and we'll send them home. (laughs) And you're afraid of your enemy? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. This is the God we serve. In the early 1930s, the Bible College of Wales was founded by a man named Rhys Howells. An incredible man of faith. A man who had come to salvation in the Welch revival at the turn of the 20th century. At the beginning of World War II, God called him to lead that Bible college in prayer. And every night from 7 p.m. to midnight, they would be in prayer. Every day of World War II without fail 
prayer happened at that Bible college from 7 p.m. till midnight and for one hour every morning and sometimes more than an hour in the morning. This little book, Reese Howell's Intercessor, tells the story and, and documents amazing answers to prayer that went on through the prayer ministry of that Bible college. If you've never read it, I I cannot recommend it enough to you. I can't tell you how many times I've read it. There's pages that are so marked up I can hardly read them. But I want to share with you one story. Because September 14th and September 15th of 1940, right in the middle of the battle for Britain, when the Nazi Luftwaffe was doing its best to level the cities of Great Britain. On that day, Hitler had planned the largest air attack on Great Britain up to that time. And as the attack came across the English Channel, the British radar system began picking up the waves of of Nazi planes. And they began putting waves of the Spitfire in the air. There had been a wave that had been held in reserve by the Luftwaffe. And as that wave began to come, Winston Churchill, earlier in that attack, had felt the need to go to the center. And he went from Downing Street down into the basement where the women of Great Britain tracked all of the planes that were in the air. And he was standing there with his air commander watching what was going on. Did not say a word. Until at one point when they began to show on the board this wave was coming. Churchill asked him. What do we have in reserve? His air commander said none. But there was another warfare going on in South Wales. Because God had called the Bible College of Wales to prayer. And they were in earnest prayer from late at night on the 14th through the 15th. When that air attack came. Let me read for you just a small portion out of this book about that attack. Because we have believed God has made known to us what is to come to pass. Every creature is to hear the gospel. Palestine is to be regained by the Jews And the Savior is to return. Now I want to remind you, this is September 14th, 1940. That's eight years before Israel will become a nation again. Isn't that amazing? Mr. Churchill, in his war memoirs, gives September 15th as the, quote, culminating date in the battle of the air. He tells how he visited the operations room of the Royal Air Force 
that day and watched as the enemy squadrons poured over and ours went up to meet them until the moment came when he asked the air marshal, what other reserves have we? There is none, he answered and reported afterward how he gave Mr. Churchill a look and how grave Churchill looked. And well I might, added Mr. Churchill. Then another five minutes passed and it appeared that the enemy were going home. The shifting of the discs on the table showed a continuous eastward movement of the German bombers and fighters. No new attack appeared. In another ten minutes, the action ended. Quote, There seemed no reason why the Luftwaffe should have turned for home just at the moment when victory was in their grasp. Unquote. But we know why, don't we? But we know why. After the war, Air Marshal Lord Dowding, commander-in-chief of Fighter Command in the Battle of Britain, made this significant comment. Quote, Even during the battle, one realized from day to day how much external support was coming in. At the end of the battle, one had the sort of feeling that there had been some special divine intervention to alter some sequence of events which otherwise would have occurred. We are never at the mercy of our enemy. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from temptation. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. On another occasion, <clears throat> recorded in Second Kings chapter 3, the nation of Moab was rebelling against the nation of Israel and they were going to overthrow them. And so the king of Israel went to King Jehoshaphat of Judah and said, will you align with me and go to battle? He said, we will. And they went, they marched south through Edom and the king of Edom aligned with them and they marched then through the desert. But three days into the desert march to attack Moab, they were without water. They didn't have uh, water for the men or for the animals. And... Um, and the king of Israel was in great fear. And Jehoshaphat asked this question. Is there no prophet here? And the king said, oh yeah, yeah, there's that guy, Elisha. Well, go get him. <laughs> Elisha came. And this was his instructions. I want you to dig trenches dig lots of trenches and then start worshiping. And so they, they dug trenches. They were worshiping the living God. And the next morning, those trenches were filled with water. But here's the thing. As those trenches were filled with water, the enemy 
saw something else. And in what they saw, they came thinking that they were going to be able to overthrow the camps of that, of that coalition army. Instead, the coalition army destroyed them and marched and completely conquered the land of Moab. What's the lesson? I believe the lesson is related to two things. Not only believing that by the authority of Jesus' name, we, we can always crush the gates of our enemy. We can always destroy the attack of our enemy. We're never at the mercy of our enemy. But the other thing is that when the, when the church of Almighty God is soaked and saturated with the living water, the church filled and overflowing with the living water can rise up and conquer their enemy and conquer the land and bring the land of the enemy into the kingdom of Almighty God. Listen to Jesus' words in John chapter 7. This is powerful. In John chapter 7, it was the day, uh, one of the days of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, every day in the Feast of Tabernacles, the priests would go from the Temple Mount down to the water reserve at the Pool of Shalom, fill a golden pitcher, actually multiple golden pitchers with water, bring them back up to the temple and pour the water on the altar as a sacrifice to the living God. And all the while they were doing this, the, the people were singing the psalms and waving palm branches and celebrating and, and shouting the praises of Almighty God. One of the days as they were doing that and the priests came with the golden pitchers of water and they're pouring the water on the altar and praise is going up. The Lord Jesus Christ stood up in the middle of the crowd and with a loud voice said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believes on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now John in chapter 7 when he recorded this, he put a parenthetical thought in there and here's what it says. It says, thus spake he of the Holy Spirit which was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What is he referring to? He is referring directly to Jesus' command to his disciples, you don't go do anything in fulfilling my great commission until you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And Jesus was wanting his disciples to understand something. 
I am bringing to you a level of kingdom power and authority that the world has only seen occasionally through prophets of God. But Joel has promised in Joel chapter 2 that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and on my handmaidens and on my servants will I pour out my spirit in those days because in those days I am going to raise up a people who are sons and daughters of almighty God they are kings and priests unto their God and they will operate in a kingdom power and authority hallelujah come on give him praise come on give him praise hallelujah hallelujah they will operate in a kingdom power and authority that has not been seen in history because when you when you read that now you you understand that when there is a prophetic word given in the old testament there is a near fulfillment and a distant fulfillment it's always the case when when isaiah prophesied about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was talking to the king. Well, that was fulfilled in the life of the king, but then it was fulfilled in Bethlehem's stable. There's always a near and a far. When Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and prophesied, this is the fulfillment of Joel, well, that was the near, but there was a distant yet to come. We are 2,000 years past Acts chapter 2. Come on, amen? We're 2,000 years past that. And when you read Joel, Joel is talking about there is going to be cataclysmic things going on in the heavenlies. There is going to be a time when, when men and women are going to come to salvation in unprecedented times. They are going, it's going to be an unprecedented harvest. Dear ones, he's talking about today. He's talking about the last days. There is a last day fulfillment of Joel that is yet to happen. I believe we are standing on the very verge of that fulfillment and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I, I want to make this current and relevant. But I want you to understand that when I'm doing this, I am not speaking politically. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, Pastor's not talking about politics. <laughs> how do we understand? How do we understand what has gone on in this last week in America? Well, you can look at it through political rhetoric and political eyes. You can look at it 
to the hired demonstrators and paid demonstrators that are trying to tear up our cities across this nation. And make no mistake about it, they're paid. They're hired. Oh, I know that there may be hundreds of people who are joining in that aren't, but the organizers and and the leaders are paid and hired. And if you get caught up in it looking at it only through the eyes of a Democrat, only through the eyes of a Republican, you're going to miss what God was doing. And it's incumbent upon the church to look at it through the eyes of the Spirit. And and I'm calling on you. Now, I know that in, in a crowd this size, there's both Democrat and Republican here. And as a Democrat, you're probably as mad over what's happened to you as the Republicans have been for the last many years and what happened to them. I'm asking you to step out from your political garment and, and, and put aside the political rhetoric and the talking heads. And let Holy Spirit show you what he was doing. Let me, let me give you just, just one small insight into what I'm talking about. Okay, when you're looking, when you're looking, let's, let's, let's rewind one full week and go back to last Sunday, pre-election. So you've got two candidates. One candidate is saying, and, and I, 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 could read you a, I could read you some quotes from that candidate's speeches where that candidate said that the church must embrace the social engineering and the culture that will embrace the LGBT agenda, the agenda of the of the pro abortion that 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 it's that it's a woman's body and she, and she has a right to do with her body whatever she wants to do and that and they they need to embrace this and it's time that the church came in to compliance with the social engineering and the and the political correctness and the culture that is being pushed in America today that's one candidate now we we were given we were given some illustrations of this previous to the election when the first time that a mayor had been elected in the city of Houston as an as an open lesbian and and the city council passed that that all public restrooms in the schools and in the public areas had to be transgender and 400 pastors in that community rose up and said, no, not on our watch. And they began, they began calling the people to pray against it and, 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 and to, to, to not commit the compliance and to pray that it will be changed. That mayor and city council got the city attorneys to send Letters and subpoenas to those 400 pastors demanding that their sermons be turned in and examined. Now, maybe you didn't know that. That went on earlier this year. Just a few weeks ago, the state of Georgia 
subpoenaed that a pastor, a preacher, he's a, he's a Seventh-day Adventist pastor that had been appointed as a, a health director for a region in Georgia. But because he preaches the biblical stance on homosexuality and transgender, because of that, the state was demanding that he submit his sermons for their examination and they would have to comply or he would be fired. And he refused and they fired him. Now I'm wanting you to understand that that is one side. On the other hand, another candidate, the other candidate running for president, earlier in the year gathered 1,000 evangelical and Pentecostal pastors to his headquarters in New York. Interesting that both candidates had their headquarters in New York, isn't it? And he met with them. Out of that, he selected 25 pastors that would be close personal advisors to him. Including Dr. James Dobson, James Robeson, Dr. David Jeremiah, Jensen Franklin, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas. Now I can continue on. I mean, 25 top evangelical, solid gospel preaching men and, uh, uh, and, and black Hispanic, Caucasian. They became close personal advisors. Because on the one hand, one candidate said, the church must change to match political correctness, the culture, and social engineering. On the other hand, the other candidate said, the church must help us change culture and change social engineering so that the nation is in obedience to the living God. That was the candidate that won, by the way. Now you can look at it politically or you can look at it from this perspective. One candidate is going to force the church to come into compliance to political correctness and social engineering so that the church looks like the heathen, sinful culture that is on a landslide to judgment or... You can look at it spiritually and say, wait a minute. We had a candidate that in desiring to lead this nation called around him Pentecostals and evangelical preachers to say, help me bring change to America. Now, you may go, but wait a minute. 
He is a white, bigoted, yeah, I know that's, that's what all the press wants you to believe. You got to look behind and see what was actually going on. What was really going on. And recognize that Almighty God has done something for America. He has given us one more chance. One more chance to lead this nation to healing. Because under the other candidate, the preachers would have been silenced and would have been required to comply with political correctness. And they would have arrested because those two cases I told you about, they were going to arrest and jail those pastors if they did not comply with political correctness. And that would have been where it's gone. On the other hand, we've got one calling them in and saying, how do we lead this nation back to God where it needs to go? And I'm telling you, God's giving us a chance. Church, listen to me. We have got to shut off the political talking heads and get in tune with Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, this is a Joel time. This is a Joel time. How can we walk in obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit? How can we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? How can we, as the church of Jesus Christ, impact this nation in the power of the Holy Spirit? We have got to dig spiritual trenches and then say, Holy Spirit, fill these trenches with living water. How do you do that? You guys aren't going anywhere before two, are you? Oh, good. Okay. How do do we do this? Let me just quickly show you how we can do this. One is we have got to get out of our comfort zone and step in to a willingness to let Holy Spirit lead us and guide us 24-7. Now I know, I know the average church across America today is an entertainment center. They got the smoke going and the lights going and on the stage, everything, all the other lights are turned off. And it's all focused towards the stage and it's all entertainment oriented. Listen, the only reason to shut off the lights and only have spotlights on the stage is because somebody is wanting to be seen and heard. You will notice we don't do that. Here's why. We are only going to exalt one person here and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory. And we want everyone being able to see and follow. Come on, amen? It's about Jesus. But not only is it about Jesus, if you're truly a disciple of Jesus, then he has called you to be a spirit-empowered son and daughter of God that walks in the power and dynamic of Holy Spirit. That was not optional equipment. I hear people talk about it like, well, you know, yeah, but I'm not one of those. Well, what does that mean? When you read the Bible, it was everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
I don't want you coming here and looking to me. I have to get up and put my pants on one leg at a time just like all the rest of the guys in this room. I have to pray and seek God and walk in the Spirit the same way you have to pray and seek God and walk in the Spirit. The only difference between you and me is Almighty God called me to be a proclaimer of the gospel and an equipper of the saints and he gave me a leadership anointing to do that. But my job isn't to be elevated above you. My job is to say to you, come on, let's all get filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and change our city. It's my job. You can do this, but you, you must want to. you got to change your paradigm. Here's the second thing. You need to realize that God put you in the neighborhood you live in to change that neighborhood. And God put you in the workplace where you're working to change that workplace. And God, when, he, when, when you go to Walmart, when you go to Safeway, when you go to uh, any place else, you, you're going there as a representative of Almighty God, the kingdom of Almighty God. And when you get there, your kingdom come, your will be done in this restaurant as it is in heaven. Your will be done here as it is in... Come on. And, and I thank God for some of our businesses in the community that are, that are being operated by Holy Spirit-filled people and they're making a difference. But we need, we need everyone walking in that. And so you prayer walk your neighborhood. And so you prayer walk your workplace. Have you ever gone to work 30, 40 minutes early just so you would have time to just kind of wander around and pray? People go, what are you here early for? Oh, I'm just hanging out. And, but you're, you're not just hanging out. You're praying. You know, and you can pray in the Holy Spirit and nobody even knows you're doing it. And God will begin putting on your heart people and situations. And when you start taking this serious and you've got one of those days when everything is breaking down and nothing is working right, but instead of you getting angry and throwing a hammer, you're praying in the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit begins to give you solutions to the problem and suddenly you can say, you know what, I think if we do this, this will get that going. And, and next thing you know, the equipment's working right again. Because they have a Holy Spirit anointed man and woman of God that is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit just like, just like we see in Scripture. Amen. See, you could be the one. You could be the one. You could be God. Is there a prophet here? Yes. Yes, there's a prophetess right over there. Yes, there's a prophet right over there. Only, only you don't think of yourself as a prophet, a prophetess. You're just a man of God, a woman of God, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. But man, you could say, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done here, right now. Amen. Take seriously. That God has called you to walk in divine appointments. Divine appointments. Where God is going to bring someone to you today that needs a miracle. That needs prayer. That needs encouragement.
But listen, it's not just prayer for God, give me divine appointments. You got to go out and expect them to come and look for them. Come on. Amen? Amen. It is, listen, church, even most Christians today are walking in a fog. A fog that the enemy has brought a spirit of deception, a spirit that keeps them living for the world. And it is time to let Holy Spirit wind blow that fog away and then bring the living water of the Holy Spirit alive and real and flowing and living every day for a miracle. Because we're supposed to walk in miracles and signs and wonders. Remember, remember what, what, what Jesus said to his disciples? This is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 17. Jesus and some of the disciples had been on the Mount of Transfiguration. They came down and the disciples had been trying to cast this devil out of this guy and it wasn't working. And they said, Jesus, boy, we've been trying, but it doesn't work. And so he, he cast the demon out. And later they go, okay, tell us the truth. How come we couldn't do it? And Jesus said, because of your lack of faith. Because of your lack of faith. But but then he said this, he said, but but there are some that will only go out by prayer and fasting. Now, here's, most people, they they say that, and then they go, see, that's how come we're so weak before the devil. Now, that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, if you have faith, you can cast out devils. And if you have faith, and you fast and pray, even the hard ones will be thrown out. And then I like what he said on another occasion to the, to the religious leaders. He said, you're, you're saying I cast out devils by the devil, and I'm saying to you, that's weird. Because that means the devil's, the devil's casting out his own people. That's stupid. And then he said this. He said, but if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God's come upon you. And see, that's what he wants his church doing. That's why he said to us, listen to these words. In my name you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus said to his people, to his sons and daughters, this is what I want you doing in my name. That means you can do it. Here's the other thing he said in Mark 11. He was saying, have faith in God. And you can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and it will be done. That means you can move mountains. You can move mountains. It, does, it doesn't, take, doesn't take the televangelist. It, 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 it doesn't take going down to a city in California. It doesn't take running to Seattle. The same living God that is in those two places happens to be in Hermiston. How I know that is because I'm walking with him. And we have seen miracles and signs and wonders right here. Right here. We have seen miracles and signs and wonders right here. Haven't we, Ada? 
Just a, just two weeks ago, she put in a prayer request. Cancer has been diagnosed. They're going in for the biopsy. Pray. We prayed. The doctor was shocked. Well, how come all the tests showed there was cancer, but there's nothing in the biopsy? Well, we know why. We know why. That's not a miracle that happened 20 years ago or 10 years ago or happened somewhere where God's really at. That is a miracle that happened right here because the living God is here and because you are sons and daughters of the living God and you have the same Holy Spirit power, you have the same Lord Jesus Christ and you can pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here as it is in heaven. Come on, give him praise. So church, here's the question. So here's the question. Will you? I will. It's time to say, enough with drama in my house. Satan, I'm throwing you out. It's going to stop. But then you got to do something else. You got to be willing to silence your ears to drama too. Someone comes to you and wants to pour their drama all over you. And you got to say, no. You're going through drama? I know the king that drives drama out. Let me pray for you right now. Don't listen to it. Pray it out. Come on. I'm telling the truth. Stop. Stop. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. We're not doing this. Now stuff happens. Come on. Stuff happens. But you don't have to let it run you. You take the kingdom authority and you take charge. Now you're standing here because you're saying, I will. I will. I'm going to step into this and I'm going to walk in this. From today on, I'm going to walk in kingdom authority. Dear ones, that means you got, you got to recognize that you right now, in the name of Jesus, you right now, you are a golden pitcher to be filled with living water, Holy Spirit. And to walk in that and to pour that out wherever you go. Pour living water. Come on, lift your hands to him right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus. All of these, all of these. Oh God, vessels of the living water of the Holy Spirit. The might and power of Holy Spirit pouring on them. And almighty God, we say to you. 
We are going to walk as disciples of Jesus Christ. We are going to walk in kingdom authority and power. We choose today to walk in kingdom power and authority. We choose to pray prayers that are prayers of kingdom power and authority. Almighty God, we choose we choose to accept responsibility that when we are in our neighborhood, when we are in the workplace, when we are at the store, when we are in a restaurant, we are there as sons and daughters, kings and priests of the living God, and we bring kingdom authority and power there. And Almighty God, we say to you, Deliver us from evil and do not lead us into temptation. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And so, Father, walk our footsteps around the temptations and the snares and the attacks of the enemy. Walk us around them as you did the king of Israel. Walk us around them, Holy Spirit. Alert us. Alert us so that we will know. Oh God, in Jesus' name, this is our commitment to you today. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.